Generation Z Futurist Podcast by Arsa Marduk, the youngest futurist in the world. The first member of World Future Studies Federation Junior. And the founder of Generation Z Futurist Movement and Platform. Welcome to the third episode of Gen Z Futurists. I am Arsam, and today we have a very special guest with me. Today, in the first part of the podcast, I want to talk about my story of becoming the first member of WFSF Junior and how I became interested in future thinking. In the second part of the podcast, I will talk to Victor Muti, futurist and the director of World Future Studies Federation. So, stay with me. As I promised in the last episode, Today, I want to tell you my story about how I became interested in the future and learning about it. As I said, two years ago, I didn't know anything about the future. But when my stepfather, Donna, came to our life, everything changed. Donna, my mom and I were talking about future of everything, from immortality um, to transhumanism and future of human, uh, from future of robots to artificial intelligence, uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, um, IoT and 3D printers, and how the world will change in the next decade. Those days, I was reading Harry Potter books and very much interested in the character Hermione, who could visit the future by using her magic necklace. At the same time, Donna introduced me a lot of science fiction books and movies, and that that was how I became interested in the learning about the future. Uh, later, he talked about futurists, who can study and understand the future changes and make plans to create the best futures possible. I have never heard of this job before, so it was very interesting to me. I thought to be a futurist, someone should be over the age of 40, so I told myself, if I want to become a futurist, I should wait another 30 years. But one day, I decided to ask Donna a question. I said, I have a question. As usual, he was happy to answer my questions, so he said, go on. Mm, I looked at him and with a bit of doubt asked him, can I become a futurist when I am 40 years old? He looked at me for a few seconds and started laughing. I thought my question was stupid, but before I say anything, he said, Of course you can, but why at the age of 40? Why not now? I said, I don't know, because all futurists I know are older than 40. Can a teenager become a futurist? He He was not sure what to say, so he told me, I am not sure, let's ask. I know that later, he sent an email to Victor Muti, the director of the World Future Studies Federation, and asked him if I can become a member or uh, a member of WFSF or not. Victor said no, because WFSF membership is only for adults. But later, Dano and Victor sent a proposal to Dr. Eric Overland, the director of WFSF 
to accept me as a child who is interested in future studies and wants to become a futurist. Few days later, Victor told us that WFSF has created a new membership called WFSF Junior, so that children under the age of 18, with the permission of their parents, can join this organization and learn about future studies. I want to thank Victor for his follow-up, which made this possible. I had the chance to meet him few times and learned a lot from him. May 11th, 2019. Finally, I got the good news. I got an email from WFSF that I was accepted as the youngest and first member of WFSF Junior. And that was how my life changed forever. I had an amazing feeling to be among many professional futurists as a student, and it was just the beginning. I became a member of World Future Studies Federation Junior, but I knew it will take years of studying about the future to become a futurist. Later that day, uh, Donna told me a Chinese saying that says, The journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And that day, I took my first step. In the second part of this episode, I will talk to Victor Muti, futurist and the director of World Future Studies Federation. Victor V. Muti is director of World Future Studies Federation, or WFSF, the foremost independent body for future studies scholarship. Based in the Middle East, he reads English, Arabic, Persian, and Italian. Victor is an international writer, speaker, and foresight consultant. He also authored and published a book in the UK titled A Transformation Journey to Creative and Alternative Planetary Futures, which is not for children, and even the title is so difficult to understand. He received the World Future Studies Federation President's Outstanding Young Futurist Award in 2013. Wow, it's amazing. Today we will talk to Victor Muti about why children should learn about the future of thinking, challenges and opportunities, and many more things. Hi, Victor. I'm very excited to have you on Gen Z Futurist Podcast. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be invited and talk to you today. It's my pleasure. Um, so my first question is, when was the first time you heard about future studies and when you started to study about the future? Well, I was almost uh, 17 years old. And, well, I was a teenager, if, if you like to say that. And I was preparing myself for entrance examinations to the universities. I was a high school student. And I bought a copy of this book, which was titled uh, The Future Shock by Alvin Telfair. You must have heard about him. And it was a fascinating read for yeah. me because... Uh, Future Shock is discussing 
their rate of change in the society and the inability of humans mm -hmm. to catch up with that change. The change is going to yeah. become accelerated and very rapid or uh, fast forward, mm -hmm. but people are not able to, uh, people are a little slow to catch up with all the innovations and progress and uh, large scale changes in the society. And it was actually very much uh, insightful because it gave me a broad and big picture of what was going on in, uh, in the world, not only uh, in a specific discipline or a specific field of study or a specific job, but, you know, mm -hmm. because Alvin Toffler was a journalist and he was a very brilliant journalist yeah. looking at the long term and the big picture, he was able to collect all the ideas from different group of people and draw uh, uh, several lines of uh, conclusions about what is happening uh, in, a, in the society as a whole. And that was exactly mm -hmm. the point that I was interested in future thinking. Yeah. But, but you know, it was a, a kind of a very journalistic or popular approach to future studies. Later on, when mm -hmm. I was in the university as a grad, as an undergraduate student, I was fortunate enough to find uh, much more intellectually uh, engaging book was uh, edited by Professor Richard Slaughter. It was titled New Thinking mm -hmm. for the New Millennium. And it was, mm -hmm. uh, it was a, big, uh, uh, a big turning point in my career and my understanding about the futures of studies as a recognized or, so to speak, a, a little recognized in comparison with other disciplines in the academy. But uh, a little... Uh, much deeper or uh, theoretically involved approach to the future studies compared to uh, the future shock by Alvin Top. Mm -hmm. That was the beginning, yeah. That's, that's awesome, that's very interesting. So you are the director of WFSF or World Future Studies Federation. Can you tell us a bit more about this organization? Well, uh, you, you know, uh, after a few years, I contacted uh, Dr. Richard Slaughter and Dr. Wendell Bell about uh, what should I do to pursue further my future studies activity and research. And Professor Richard Slaughter was a former president of the World Futures Studies Federation, or WFSF. He encouraged me to apply for membership, and uh, I, I joined the federation in 2007. And very soon in the next year, I mean in 2008, I participated in my first WFSF conference in Sweden. And I met in person mm -hmm. lots of uh, professional futurists and very recognized uh, awesome. scholars in the future studies. But but, you know, World Futures Studies uh, uh, was established in Paris in 1973. And uh, mm -hmm. a group of uh, scholars from uh, different countries, primarily from Europe, uh, gathered together and established this organization. And 
it has been around uh, for for several decades until today and it's what and it is actually an umbrella organization do you know what i mean by umbrella organization i mean actually no please uh, explain uh, to us uh, umbrella organization is a kind of uh, organizational international uh, non-governmental organization that uh, has under its tent uh, all different groups and individuals who are actively uh, researching or uh, doing projects related to future studies. And uh, for this matter, you know, uh, World Futures Studies Federation is like a very diverse organization because, you know, every person who is uh, doing uh, quality top-level futures studies is already a member and not only individuals but also institutions and they are coming from uh, almost all over the planet like from uh, North America from Latin America South America from Europe from uh, Africa from Asia from Oceania or uh, Australia and New Zealand and because of this uh, diversity and because uh, of this inclusion, we call it an umbrella organization. Like when you and you go outside and you try to uh, gather all people under one umbrella, a big umbrella. And in that sense, we mm -hmm. are uh, making them, uh, making or providing a space for all individuals or institutions who are active in future studies to come together to exchange ideas to explore their methodologies, to explore um, their insights and exchange ideas and exchange knowledge, exchange experiences and everything. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So WFSF is uh, 53 years old and it's not so new, but um, in 2019, WFSF started a new type of membership with the name of WFSF Junior. So please tell us a bit more about it and what is the goal of WFSF Junior and how can children join WFSF Junior? Well, it was uh, sort of strange because uh, you yourself uh, were the first mm -hmm. uh, member of the WFSF Junior. But because traditionally we were uh, professional organizations for adult indi individuals or grown-ups, not for kids or teenagers. And uh, mm -hmm. this is, of course, uh, the same thing with regard to other professional or uh, um, groups or organizations who are doing uh, different kind of academic or activist uh, or following activist agenda. But but you know the the, the great weakness of uh, such organizations is that when they are talking about the future, most of the people who are going to live actually in that future are people of your own age. I mean, uh, teenagers or school age children. And very and we were very much uh, both um, delighted and surprised because uh, you applied to our. Uh, to become a member of the federation and after some discussions in the board we decided to uh, 
make this happen. I mean, this breakthrough. And mm -hmm. we uh, said uh, we said that why not? Why not establishing or launching a new category in the federation for people like you of your mm -hmm. age? Because after all, future studies should be inclusive also, not only about uh, from people from different genders, from different geographies, different age groups, but also, of course, from uh, the youth. I mean, uh, uh, people like you are from the same age that you are belong to them. And we, we were very fortunate to... Um, become uh, involved in this uh, new category after you apply to join the federation and after this uh, we have right now only two members in the WFS junior one of them of course is you another one is uh, uh, and there is from uh, Colombia but we plan to further promote this category and you ask whether uh, we can uh, we can have any other members in that category. The answer is yes, but you know because uh, we are a great you know, or an organization for adult people for young uh, for grown ups, and we would prefer that at least one of the parents. I mean, uh, one of uh, the parents of that uh, uh, groups of children also become a member so that they can supervise their children when they are in the federation uh, and have access to the uh, discussions platforms of the federation or are going to participate in the events by the federation, not only in the uh, digital conversation, but also in the physical interactions. I hope that that was enough awesome. for you. <laughs> yeah, um, I need to really thank you. Um, thank you here because... Uh, it came true because of your efforts, and I uh, thank you very much for your efforts. You're welcome. In all welcome. the things we have. <laughs> we are so glad to have you. So, and of course, we are hopeful that people like you will become much more interested and become uh, much more active and help us grow this category in the future. I hope so. Well, and so, what was the other features? feedback when you announced this new membership for children well in general uh, you will remember there were there were lots of positive reactions because uh, mm -hmm. uh, because you will bring new blood to this uh, body of uh, of our federation and the new blood in in the sense that you will bring more energy and more uh, fresh perspective and more relevance, of course, as I told you, because uh, after all, the mm -hmm. future belongs to people of your age, people like you. And when we are going yeah. to discuss the future, for example, of education, of health system, of infrastructure, of technology or social innovations, uh, you should be also involved in the uh, in the platforms that are talking about those scenarios or those driving forces. And uh, uh, you, you must have heard of, uh, about this um, uh, lady from Sweden, Greta Thunberg. You know, she's also, a, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. she's also an activist about uh, uh, 
respecting the ecology and, uh, and environmental activists. And she is also uh, has been a central and key player in this uh, uh, Friday for the Future events throughout the world and this movement which has uh, uh, launched under her leadership. And, you know, this is going to be a very uh, key uh, enabler or a key positive development or news for the whole community of futurists all around the world. Yes, I totally was, uh, I totally uh, liked and um, supportive of whatever you are going to do and other people in your age group are going to focus on and uh, in general, as I told you today, there has been uh, support and uh, in enthusiasm for all, all things that you have started. Awesome. So actually, we have an idea to offer Greta to actually join Gen Z Futurists. And yeah. yeah wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Have you been in touch with her? Uh, actually, no, but I have seen her work in some of her videos. Why do you think teaching children about future studies and future thinking is important? Well, let me go back to the beginning of this interview. I told you that uh, the rate of change is accelerating or the future is, fasting, or is faster than we think it's going to arrive. And... Uh, the importance of uh, teaching future studies to children is uh, related to the fact that, unfortunately, one of the key barriers for preparing uh, children for the future is, uh, unfortunately, uh, schools. I mean, traditional schools with traditional contents related mm -hmm. to education. And uh, it is of ultimate importance that you get a sense of what is going to change very rapidly in a few mm, years or, if, or after a few decades because uh, there are lots of uh, technological or social innovations around and you might uh, face a totally different world and in that different world many of the mm -hmm. current jobs for example will not be there and many new jobs will be emerging on the horizon. And when you are familiar with uh, that big changes in the environment, I mean in the world that we are living in it, you can make better decisions about your uh, own future, mm -hmm. about your own choices later in your life when you want to uh, go to a school or when you want to apply for a university program or you when you want to select or pick a carrier for yourself. Everything is going to be much mm -hmm. uh, wiser in, in a sense. And, I mean, I mean uh, more effective and more uh, holistic in a sense, such that you can have a better quality mm -hmm. of life later when you become uh, a grown-up. You know, some of the people who are in their uh, in their in their midlife are not very happy because they are almost mm -hmm. always regretting the choices that they should have been given in their life 
and the information they had uh, received was not enough for them to make the better choices or better decisions. Mm -hmm, yeah. yeah, and yes. I think uh, children should be prepared for the new job market because jobs will be very different um, in the next five to ten years. And it's very important uh, for kids to know about uh, mm -hmm. future studies and future thinking. And as you know, I'm trying to teach children mm -hmm. about the basics of future studies and try to make it simple for kids to understand it and learn it. But what, why, what do you think are uh, some of the challenges in teaching children about the future studies and futurist thinking? Well, the key challenge, of course, is about uh, books which have been uh, effectively simplified for the audience of your age because most of the papers, most of the books are written for, uh, uh, for adult people, for people who are in their uh, career as a, a university professor or as a graduate students in universities. And they are not appropriate for uh, easy and uh, quick uh, learning by people of your age. And, uh, with a few exceptions, of course, because some of the key um, and very well-known futures like Dr. Peter Bishop has already um, began a, uh, a project or an initiative which is called Teach the Future. And it's aiming to at least mm -hmm. help uh, school teachers better learn about future studies so that they can in turn mm -hmm. Uh, help their students better learn about future studies. Uh, so the key challenge here is that uh, the language, I mean by the language, the technical, highly sophisticated language, which is a characteristic of so many books or papers written in future studies, and uh, a very short-term or very effective way for people like you is uh, perhaps... Uh, become much more committing, uh, committed to watching mm -hmm. science fiction movies or even better reading science mm -hmm. fiction literature. I mean, there are lots of very good mm -hmm. science fiction literature, I mean books and novels, who will uh, broaden your perspective, who will give you a lot of uh, reason to extend your imagination, to become uh, much more aware of what is mm -hmm. uh, possible or what is impossible in the future and that could be a very uh, good starting point in addition to that you need to uh, you need to that uh, you need to uh, be exactly in organization like the federation because uh, the more you are closer to a community of futurists when they are talking to each other or when they are discussing their ideas or where they're discussing the uh, scenarios of the world or driving forces, you, you, you become much more exposed to the content in the, in the sense that you will uh, hear about the key, keyboards and will try to uh, learn th those keyboards and their definitions and how can you, uh, how can you apply them in your own uh, terms, in your own language, in your own uh, environment. But uh, but the very effective solution could be, of course, uh, 
reading much more science fiction literature or watching much more science fiction movies. You know, one of the uh, members of the World Futures Studies Federation Executive Board is Dr. Thomas Lombardo. And Dr. Thomas Lombardo is, a, is, an, is an expert in uh, science fiction and its uh, relation to futures studies. He has uh, written several books on this topic and he often writes very, uh, very simple to understand without much uh, uh, use of uh, very jargon or very technical terms in his book. And I would also recommend that you become familiar with not only the works by Dr. Peter Bishop, but also Dr. Thomas Lombard. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, we had an interview, a podcast, um, with uh, Peter, Dr. Peter Bishop a few days ago. Mm -hmm. And, and hope, hopefully there are some uh, sources that we can use. Yeah, great. And I don't know about you, but we are in lockdown for about 40 days. And all schools, and uh, most of them, in most countries, are closed. Some of them are teaching children online. And what do you think is good and bad about online learning in your idea? Do you think one day the whole education system might go on online or no? Well, you know, this was a big uh, news with respect to the um, uh, a revolution in thinking about the future of education you know as you just said that many schools are under lockdown and people cannot go to physical classrooms uh, but there is a danger here or, or there is a very important uh, thing to consider you know if you are going to use digital platforms or digital uh, facilities you need to also have a digital mindset and a digital philosophy of education. But, you know, uh, many of these uh, teachers in these schools are simply copying whatever they are doing in the physical uh, classrooms into these new digital platforms. And they haven't considered to change their methods of education or their uh, ways to approach uh, content learning or uh, uh, learning about skills. I mean, uh, you, you need not only a connection to the internet, but also a different mindset about how or uh, what is possible mm -hmm. to do for uh, using yeah. this platform for education. And if they are going to just simply uh, carry on uh, whatever they were doing before in uh, these new platforms, it won't help at all because we need a change of mindset. And uh, uh, another challenge related to this uh, huge shift from physical classrooms to the digital classrooms is, of course, the very well-known problem or challenge of uh, the gap, the digital gap. You know, there are haves and haves nots. You know, there are people or students or school-age children who are uh, who belong to the uh, upper class in the society or in the wealthy families, and there are people who don't mm -hmm. have enough uh, 
access to even a, a good hardware or let alone a connection, a good connection to the internet. And such challenges are becoming much more evident, much more clear uh, in this uh, in this world. And uh, although it is not a movie about science fiction, I would like to recommend to you and other children to also watch this Oscar-winning movie in, in the past year, which is called Parasite. It was made by a Korean director. It 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 gives you it gives you a good sense of the gap between the rich and poor families in terms of education. You mm -hmm. see the kids of the rich family are having a different access to educational uh, opportunities while the people in the uh, poor families are struggling for survival. You know, uh, you, sometimes we say that uh, if someone cannot have enough food, how can he or she become focused on learning a subject. And we should not be so much optimistic about simply everybody comes to this platform in the digital board. And that could be a very useful cure for all the challenges in the educational system. We need also a big support from the governments throughout the world to help people who cannot have enough access, who are left out from this digital world because of the, uh, of the, of the uh, social status of their families, and they can become much prepared to use and exploit these uh, tools and devices. And of course, there are lots of other issues involved. I'm not going to further details today, but we need to have a balanced approach to using uh, uh, blended uh, methods of uh, education. Mm -hmm. I mean, both having the physical and having the digital and people having the wide range of access to everything that is uh, almost entirely uh, taken for granted in the rich families, I mean. Yeah. Actually, um, especially in many countries, still they do not have smartphone and internet, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And do you think AI one day will take over the teachers and we can learn better by using technologies like like AI? And if not, the close future, Do you, what about the far future? Do you think we still need to even learn things in the first place? Well, if you if you watch uh, one of those movies like uh, I mentioned about science fiction, it's very well known, The Matrix. It shows that you don't need to learn much uh, more about different skills. People just sit in a station and uh, the skills are simply uploaded into their minds or brains. And this is a sort of a very, uh, very encouraging or very, uh, inspiring scenario or vision for the future of education in the sense that you do not need to actually go through uh, learning the subject of a study during your whole life, but simply going to a station and download it when necessary. But putting aside those uh, fictional words, you know, uh, there could be uh, some positive feedback from using uh, uh, advanced technologies like the one you mentioned, like a 
artificial intelligence or even a virtual reality or augmented reality. You, need, you know, uh, the trend in uh, educational systems, I would say, is about uh, becoming much more visualized. You know, uh, until today or several decades ago, people didn't have enough uh, help or aid from technologies to help them uh, further or enrich their imagination or creativity. But if we use uh, artificial intelligence in addition to other advanced technologies like uh, virtual reality or augmented reality, we can immerse people mm -hmm. or immerse uh, 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 children into experiences that are both fun and both uh, useful in terms of learning new things. You know, in that kind of world, we can uh, realize a very a big vision for uh, the future of education, which is called edutainment, a combination of two words, mm -hmm. both education and entertainment. And, you know, yeah, when, when you are going to these uh, traditional schools, uh, the classrooms are so much boring. People are uh, not too much yeah. energetic and not exciting. But, but, you know, if you use uh, technologies like AI or avatars or virtual reality you can have uh, uh, an experience of a psychological flow you know what uh, flow is a con is a concept when you are uh, when you are playing games you know when you are into the game and you do not uh, uh, mm -hmm. you do not sense the world outside you just are totally immersed into that game yeah without any interruptions, mm -hmm. without any need for concentration. You know, a big uh, problem for so many learners, for many uh, students, is that to find enough focus, enough attention uh, put on the, uh, their lessons or uh, their exercises. But, mm -hmm. you know, when you are flowing in the game of education by, the, you know, by using these technologies, you do not even know when you are learning. You just simply leaving and you are learning in the in the meantime and you are going to, through a, a, a playful environment if i like to call it and by playing and gaming you learn and there there is no such things like a, a very dry or very boring classrooms by a by a single teacher or by a by a school which demands examinations which demands uh, uh, very standardized approaches to the future of education and it goes it, it is going to be a huge disruptive factor a disruption in the educational systems and I believe that in the beginning you know many schools and many many teachers won't like to accept uh, the, uh, those tools that are available what but this current coronavirus pandemic just showed us that uh, perhaps they will be forced into that direction. Even if they don't like to change their habits, they change or traditional uh, ways of doing education. They, have to. they will have to. They will be forced by uh, such events like in the coronavirus pandemic. And it is, of course, a, so, some sort of good news, of uh, some sort of uh, forced migration of you know, uh, 
people like you have already shifted or you have already migrated to the YouTube channels, to other kinds of digital platforms in the Internet. But your teachers in the traditional schools, most of them refuse to come mm -hmm. to you. But now it's a good opportunity for you to just accept them. You know, you, you awesome. welcome uh, them. Thank you very much, world. Victor, for answering my questions. And if there anything you would like to add or have any advice for Gen Z futurists, please do share with us. Uh, well, I just uh, told you almost everything that I could tell you because... Uh, uh, you know, I'm not a professional teacher mm -hmm. in the first place, and uh, for more specific details about what to do about educating uh, people like you, I would recommend that you also talk to people who are professional teachers, not only mm -hmm. simply futures. And one of those teachers and futurists who, uh, who is very well known is the former president of the World Futures Studies Federation. Dr. Jennifer Gidry, and uh, you just uh, told me today that yeah, yeah. she has written a new book about how to prepare a healthier educational system for the future of education using this uh, uh, this model of uh, Rudolf Stein, Steiner, if I'm right. And uh, uh, you should also be talking to her, of course, because he ha she has been very much involved in both futures studies and uh, teaching and educational revolutions and uh, her key uh, focus has been working with the youth i mean uh, working with people like you and uh, she could be very much helpful uh, anyway i would like to just summarize by saying that uh, uh, there has been some major shifts in terms of our thinking about uh, both future and about uh, futures literacy and how to change the educational system. And uh, we need to accept or assume that all these uh, developments are going to be with us and they are not going to go any place and they have to be there. And we need to use them appropriately. We need to prepare even also for a world in which, uh, who knows, perhaps many you know, physical schools will also be closed even after the pandemic is over, in, even after the lockdown is lifted, you know, uh, people will be, will be enjoying uh, learning or educating themselves or in their homes using these technologies. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Actually, we have a plan to have Jennifer maybe in the next episode. Fantastic. But please tell us where we can find more about you, Victor. Well, if you like to follow my works, you can uh, use Professor Google. You know Professor Google? Of course you know. <laughs> you just go to Google and put Alternative Planetary Futures. Mm -hmm. That is my personal website, Alternative Planetary Futures. Mm -hmm. In that website, you you see some of the my works, but Unfortunately, those uh, works are not uh, customized for the audience of your age, but mm, you, can, uh, you can watch, of course, uh, some of the videos that I'm uploading on my YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to bring uh, some parts of uh, future thinking 
to the general public by interviewing some groups of professional futures on my YouTube channel. And my YouTube channel is, of course, Victor Vimotti, which is also listed on my website, which can you find it by Googling uh, alternative planetary futures. Mm, that's a great job. And thank you very much, Victor, for, uh, for your time. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you, for, uh, thank you to you for having me. Let's be in touch together and just update me about whatever you are up to later in your wonderful uh, Gen Z platform for future thinking, for futures literacy for the children. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Uh, thank you. It's, it's my pleasure. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Gen Z Futurists Podcast. You can find more about us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter if you just Google Gen Z Futurists. Please go to our website, genzfuturists.com, and send me any questions you have by voicemail and let me know what topic do you want me to talk about and which futurist you'd like to be in my podcast. Best futures for all and let the dreams come true.